You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. So how bad might the next year or two be for the UK economy? Quite bad, is my answer. What should policymakers do in response? Let the corrections work their way through. The UK must move towards higher savings, a smaller external deficit and a more efficient public sector. These shifts will be painful, but essential. They should not be thwarted. This year's characteristically excellent green budget from the Institute for Fiscal Studies, in collaboration with Morgan Stanley, reveals the challenges ahead. The Green Budget notes that, excluding contributions made on behalf of households to company pension schemes, the household saving rate is now negative for the first time since 1989. But three forces are likely to raise saving and slow spending, it notes. These are more expensive and less readily available credit, higher interest rates offered on savings, and a less benign economic outlook. The ratio of household liabilities to disposable income is 175%, against a little over 100% in the mid-1990s. This ratio is also considerably higher than in the US, Spain, Germany, France and Italy in descending order. The rise in indebtedness is closely related to the jump in house prices, which are up by close to 150% in real terms since 1996. Moreover, the buoyancy of spending drove the current account deficit to 5.7% of gross domestic product in the third quarter of 2007. The credit crunch is the economy's brutal way of telling us that this era of unsustainable growth in spending and debt is at an end, even if a reversal is merely likely but not yet certain. Similar observations apply to the fiscal position. Step back from the intriguing debate about the inability of the government to meet its fiscal rules, or even about their appropriateness. What matters is that the fiscal position is weak, with an IFS forecast for public sector net borrowing this financial year of as much as 2.9% of GDP. It is not that the government's overall fiscal performance has been lamentable. It has merely been mediocre. As the Green Budget notes, Labour inherited, by international standards, a big budget deficit and average public sector debt burden. More than a decade later, the structural budget deficit and the debt burden have both been reduced. But of 21 comparable industrial country governments, 19 have done more to improve their structural budget balances, and 16 have done more to reduce their debt burdens. Meanwhile, overall public spending is forecast to peak at 42% of GDP. This seems to be as much as even Gordon Brown, the Prime Minister, thinks he can get away with. Even so, he plans to take away just under half of the proceeds of growth in additional taxation over the next five years. So... The boom times for public spending are over, the overall tax burden will rise, and room for discretionary fiscal boosts is, given the government's rules, zero. The IFS suggests that room is a minus quantity. If Alastair Darling, the Chancellor, wants to keep to the rules on indebtedness and the aspirations of the pre-budget report for the current budget, it recommends an £8 billion 
0.6% of GDP tax boost. Corrections are the order of the day for the economy and the public sector. What then does this mean for policy? First, the state simply must do the best it can with what it has. The priority for the government has to be improving the efficiency of public spending and the tax system from now on. Second, a weaker real exchange rate is a valuable part of the economic adjustment. In real terms, in fact, the trade-weighted index is still 12% higher than in early 1993, according to J.P. Morgan. The fact that further depreciation is available is the UK's big advantage over Spain. Third, government should not try to protect lending for housing. The normally sagacious David Miles, chief UK economist of Morgan Stanley, has called for the government to lend directly to banks to prevent the mortgage market from a severe squeeze in the Financial Times of January the 29th. I strongly disagree. This would amount to encouraging innocent borrowers to buy at what is probably the top of a hugely stretched market. The government should reject such ideas. Keeping housing expensive is an insane goal for policy. Finally, monetary policy is the available tool for managing the economy through this correction. If the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee preserves its credibility on inflation, it will be able to do the job. Fiscal policy can support monetary policy by providing a modest, phased, multi-year boost to revenue. True, there may be a year or two of quite weak growth, perhaps even the odd quarter or two of negative growth. But after 62 successive quarters of positive growth, neither is any sort of disaster. The UK economy could not continue indefinitely on its course of rising internal debt and external deficits. Equally, the government could not continue indefinitely raising the share of public spending in GDP and missing its fiscal targets. These trends are surely now at an end. How well the necessary corrections are managed will also determine how well a rebalanced economy performs in the years ahead. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.